0: On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment? Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11, for Dave and I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com. Cordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. This is Innovation and Leadership, where we interview Navy SEALs, venture capitalists, pro athletes, best-selling authors, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of high achievers as we can get to come on the show. Today's episode is going to be from our mini-series that we created with Corporate Alliance, asking top CEOs and executives and entrepreneurs who have had very large exits, specifically about their thoughts on leadership and people. Also, I want to talk to you about one of our show's sponsors. I met these guys back on episode six. CEO Zach Smith was telling me all about starting a skateboard company and how much he hated doing the bookkeeping uh, for a skateboard shop and how he really uh, got led to start this business, Bookly, that's a hybrid combining bookkeeping software and human services. And I'll tell you why I let him become a sponsor. It's because I use their service now. I don't love paying 50 bucks an hour for bookkeepers to do stuff that I know software could do way, way cheaper. But uh, I don't love bookkeeping at all. So I want a real live human who knows what they're talking about to help me with the stuff I don't understand. Uh, Probably the straw that broke the camel's back for me though, the thing that put me over the top was that they could do my taxes and payroll also. Um, So totally suggest checking them out. Go to their website, bookly.co and check out their flat rates. I've been super happy with them. So now on to today's episode. So, um, you're the founder and CEO of Motivocity. We want to hear what that's all about. Um, founder and chairman at Workfront, um, BYU professor on entrepreneurship, outdoor enthusiast. Am I, am I getting the list covered there? What am I missing?
1: That pretty much sums up my life. I also have five children and, uh, they take up everything that's left. Yeah. Well, um, a lot
0: of folks will know Workfront. you know, such a, such a significant success story and um, you know, what you guys have built there Um, for folks who aren't as familiar with Motivocity. um, Can you give us a bit of background on it?
1: Absolutely. So our mission here at Motivocity is to make employees happier about being at work and that is a topic that's really important to me. I found early on in my career that I actually care about making our time at work count for something and, and to have it be a meaningful and positive aspect of our life. And I know that's not always the case. And really how things got started here at Motivocity was after uh, after stepping out of a CEO role at Workfront. And staying on as chairman of the board, some of my close associates within the company, I I started to hear some things uh, that they felt like maybe they weren't appreciated or didn't feel like what they did mattered anymore. And uh, I know that that wasn't the case. At the company, we had unlimited PTO, break rooms, game rooms, free soda, food, company activities, Uh, recognition going on, you know, there was a a lot invested in making sure that people felt like they mattered. And yet, there were people who still felt like they didn't matter. And that was really troubling to me. And after having spent uh, multiple years at Workfront really getting into the mindset of the knowledge worker and, and what makes a day in the life good for people, it seemed to me that there are some things that companies could do to really operationalize small activities that would make people really uh, feel happier about being at work. And that, and that happiness comes from being trusted to, to drive and influence results, being connected, like being part of the family, and being visible, being recognized for what you do. And so I started – building another piece of software, ended up calling it Motivosity, And this software is a platform where employees can give each other small monetary bonuses for doing good things. It's a platform where they can connect to each other and uh, break down silos and, and create communities within the workplace. And a place where managers and teams have easier access to really understand who it is they're working with. So we, we started Motivasi about four years ago and things are really awesome.
0: Um, so let's talk about this. It's such an interesting thing to see people invent something for themselves as a, you know, a feedback loop to know if it's any good, right? Um, uh-huh. how, how big
1: had Workfront got by that point, staff wise? So uh, StaffWay's work, work front was about 600 employees at that point in time. And, you know, we had seen it go through uh, a lot of iterations from, uh, you know, I, I've seen it go from one employee to a thousand. And there are definitely some inflection points that happen along the way where you really have to pay attention to culture and be very deterministic about the kind of environment that you want, or it'll get away from you. Yeah.
0: Um, so as you were doing Motivosity, what, what elements were you building from your personal experience, and what did you feel like you had
1: to go out and figure out? So there were some things that uh, – so w- what I experienced in um, just, just day-to-day life – was that there are areas of a typical company that are good, meaning managers take the time to be people and to cultivate that human side of work, but there are pockets where that tends to fail. Um, that HR has a lot on their plate and, and that CEOs tend to outsource culture and engagement to HR. And then HR is supposed to remember everybody's birthdays and hire dates and do these nice things. And sometimes that doesn't always happen exactly on time. So you get your birthday thank you from the boss like three weeks late, um, which is a bit of a downer. And then I also experienced uh, scenarios where uh, the front line would withhold ideas because they felt like they didn't matter or couldn't make a difference or even that their boss would take credit for their ideas so why even chip in and help and so those were things that I had definitely seen in in ours and other organizations uh, that are not really that hard to overcome and then more generally speaking after doing additional research it uh it it really became clear that managers are, are people who get promoted, oftentimes not because of their management skills, and they're paid on delivering numbers. And the only way to really deliver on productivity and numbers is by controlling people. And so by nature, the role of boss kind of tends to go counter to all the things that you need to have a high performance and positive culture. So um, what I wanted to accomplish with Motivasi is a way to push this, all of this down to the grassroots so that you didn't have to rely on management to get great results in, in uh, culture and, and collaboration.
0: And, and so how big are these cash rewards or how does that system work?
1: So what we typically see, and, and the way that Motivasi works, it's pretty simple. At the beginning of the month, an employee will get, it's typically around $5, you know, 5 to $10 that they can use to say thanks to other people for doing good things. And what that does is it causes them to look around and notice the good that's going on. And also it gives them the power to... Ask somebody in another part of the organization for a favor, and it gives them the power to be able to say thanks, um, not just in an, in an email, but in a social, visible way with a little bit of money attached to it. And w- what we've seen is that just drives a tremendous amount of willingness to help each other, willingness to collaborate on projects, and willingness to uh, do a little bit extra when you're called upon to do it. Yeah.
0: You know, um, usually on the show, we're not talking to CEOs about what their business is, but it's really fun that this is a leadership and people show and that's exactly what your business is about.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean- No, I hope no. I'm, not I'm, I'm just to laughing to myself because
0: normally it's like about running the business. But what's funny is your business is about exactly this, right? Um, yeah. So um, when you think about- well. Before we got going you mentioned that uh you'd seen some less than stellar uh examples in your in your earlier career. Can you can you tell about uh you know
1: some of your experiences where maybe folks uh, were missing the mark? Yeah, in fact, maybe you know there's always a silver lining. So the silver lining in what I'm about to say is at one point I came to the conclusion that my boss was so bad that there's no way I could do any worse on my own in business and that I should just go and work for myself. And so that's the silver lining. But I had a boss that um, some of my favorite stories, let's see. There was a time where we were late on getting our paychecks. And somebody went into his office to ask about their paycheck, and he literally fired them over the P.A., Oh um, wow! <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, so. I I had an environment where the, everyone was fearful of the boss. Um, it was like you never knew what what kind of mood the boss was in, and if he was in a bad mood and you happened to show up at his door, it could mean that your job was gone. And so it, that fear and uncertainty uh, really taught me a lot about what I don't want to do. And the impact that, uh, you know, being a human has on people, not just at work, but in their personal lives, because he caused a lot of people a lot of stress personally.
0: Yeah. Um, What about on the other side? Has there been, are there folks in your life that you feel like set the
1: example that you want to pursue? Uh, Yeah, um, I love to read. I love to read business books, I love to learn as much as I can, and and, uh, so I'm always trying to adopt new ideas or learn about other people's perspectives, and and honestly, some of the things that really just uh, turn me on about leadership are the examples of great leaders who, because they take some time to do some coaching and take some time to reach out and help people, that they actually become a, a meaningful part of somebody's life and as we look at what we're actually doing in this life isn't the only thing that really matters the degree that we're able to help other people
0: you know it's interesting even from a, you know my my previous background running a private equity fund right You think about it can be very numbers driven, where we won't interact with, we won't even interact with the staff of the companies we bought or stuff like this, right? And it's very can be very Excel spreadsheet driven, but that point applies there too. Of like, if we are, if an organization is impacting customer lives positively and taking care of people and providing service, like revenue is a natural byproduct of that, right? And then it is when you think about like just quality of life of like um, how happy we are when we're able to make the humans we are interacting with, make them smile. Like when we're able to do them a solid, right. I remember uh, being a boy scout as a kid and like dragging my heels when we were going to go clean up some old lady's yard instead of go play basketball. And then by the end of it, you feel better than anything else you'd ever done at scouts, you know?
1: Right. That's absolutely true, and I have to say I haven't always been that kind of leader, and when I was first starting Workfront, it was a software company that was bootstrapped for seven years, and there was a lot of pressure to make sales, hit numbers so that we could make payroll and attempt to grow in an industry that where all the competition was heavily funded and had a lot more resource than we did, and so um, I took myself way too seriously, and the the kind of you know natural outcome of that was to push people and to you know not be as human as I would say we need to be from my perspective today. And then the investors come in in 2007, and, and they add another level of causing you to take yourself way too seriously because now you have all this money, and you got to deliver a return, and it becomes even more about numbers and more about you know get the best talent no matter what, and some of, sometimes that caused me to um, put our culture in second place. And I don't, I don't think that's the best way to do things. Yeah.
0: Um, just as a quick tangent, for people who don't know what Workfront does, can you explain what it does and why companies like Sony and Dell and National Geographic are our
1: clients? Yeah, absolutely. We call it enterprise work management. Essentially, if you take a holistic view of the enterprise – and look at all the moving pieces, all of the work that needs to get done, the assets that need to be managed, the digital assets, that is, the uh, the approvals, the reviews, the resource planning, the scheduling, the risk assessments, the understanding of costs of delivering certain outcomes. All of that gets parked in Workfront and organized in a way that even the frontline knows exactly what they're supposed to be doing every day and how that can bubble up to uh, support corporate goals. Yeah. And,
0: you know, with, with many organizational options, what do you think it is that you guys have done special there that, you know, Sony or Dell is choosing you over other options?
1: Uh, It's, it's easy to understand. It's engaging for the average non-project manager type of user. And it makes people, uh, you know, again, going back to why I even got into that, uh, tell you another story. I, uh, prior to Workfront, had uh, started a a marketing agency, and we were doing some consulting in a large company that's here in Utah, one of the largest that ever was, so maybe you can guess what it was, but... Mm -hmm. um, We literally did work for groups of people that the entire group was working on the exact same project that a different group on a different part of the company was doing the exact same project. And they both knew about each other's projects, and they knew that one of them was dead on arrival, and yet they wouldn't talk to each other, and they both kept working on their respective projects. And it became obvious that that was like pretty normal. Like people were working on things that they knew would never see the light of day. They're investing a big part of their life in that. And to me, that seems like, hey, how demoralizing to know that you're going to beat your head against a wall for six months for something that nobody's ever going to see or use. And so I wanted to help create a solution to this issue of enterprise waste and this lack of visibility and lack of kind of strategic placement of resources inside of companies. And and so that's exactly what Workfront solves and, and why companies like Sony and Apple and Google and Facebook and a bunch of other cool companies use. Yeah.
0: Um, Sorry for the tangent, but back to what you're saying of the like this – taking yourself too serious. um, I I feel like that's a trap I've certainly fallen into Um, any advice for leaders today who maybe they, they've got a tinge of that they recognize uh, maybe, maybe I don't need to be quite like this for, you know, changing habits and becoming different. Uh,
1: One thing that helps me is to just periodically reflect on what's what's really important. You know, if you peel back all the layers, it doesn't matter how big your company was. It doesn't matter how many thousands or millions of dollars you personally have. Your family is going to think you're a hero, but only if you are the kind of, you know, father to your family that is going to earn that respect. From your children, uh, the people that you help are going to care, but it has nothing to do with how big your business got or how much you know whether or not you're on the cover of some magazine or uh, you know you're the the big dog in your circle. Like that stuff, that's not what lasts. And so I, I try to reflect on that periodically and make sure that I am true to to what I am trying to accomplish and, and that I'm not influenced by some kind of like fake competitive pressure. Hmm. I think, I think this is a good one. I think we're going to have to continue
0: talking about this on episode two. We should probably, uh, it's probably a good place to end time wise for uh, episode one, but please tune into episode two. We're going to ask Scott more about this and, and, uh, what the rest of us can do to become more like that. Um, thanks for making time, Scott. Awesome. Thanks. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about, if you'll remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he uh, he started a new company called BlipBillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But uh, I remember a year and some ago when I met him I thought it was genius instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents you pick what billboard you want it on what time of day you want it to run and it just puts so much power in the hands of of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works you can buy as many or as few as you want change it as many times as you want I think now, our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks.
1: Now is the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get
0: started during Red, White and Blue Savings at The Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever with the best deals online and in-store. You can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on 1 gallon and $40 off 3 and 5 gallons for a limited time only at The Home Depot. More saving,
1: more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.